0: For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Give the gift of Sustainable Ambition this holiday. During the season, on my website, I'm offering 20% off both the Sustainable Ambition Workbook and Planner and my little book of curiosity. The workbook and planner is great for those who like to plan and appreciate structure. You can use the planner to help make the integration of life and work more sustainable. It helps you prioritize your life and work ambitions, create your personalized sustaining plan, and track your progress throughout the year. The planner can also be something you use with friends and colleagues to help support each other and provide accountability throughout the year. I offer a guide to help facilitate those conversations. Now, my little book of curiosity is perfect really for anyone wondering what might be next for their life or work, or for those who want to stay on a growth and learning curve and remain engaged and ambitious from decade to decade. It's the perfect small fun gift for any holiday celebration. You can learn more at sustainableambition.com slash books. That's sustainableambition.com slash books. Happy holidays. Welcome back, everyone. As I was looking to wrap up the podcast at the end of the year, I asked for listener suggestions on what might be a fun episode and what people might like to hear. I loved one of the suggestions, the idea of having a conversation with one of my besties. And so my guest today is one of them, and it just so happens that her last name is Best. Uh, And she really is one of the best. So welcome to the show, my good friend, Carol Best. Carol, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Kathy. I feel like we're going to be giggling this entire time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal here. That's the goal here. (laughs) So although I have some
0: serious questions to ask you, I feel so we'll see how it goes, but that's the goal. Like let's make it fun and light. So um, before we dig into the first question, let me introduce you to Carol. So Carol and I have been friends now for almost 15 years. We met while working together at a branding and design agency, And now Carol is Vice President Brand Marketing at Albertson Companies. But what's more, she is married, the mother of three beautiful girls, and she supports the University of Pennsylvania Women's Division I Volleyball Team, where she herself played, serving on their board and mentoring their female athletes. She is a champion of women in the workplace, and I can attest to that. I wrote a recommendation for Carol on LinkedIn, and I quoted the late Madeline Albright, who once said, quote, There is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And I wrote, well, there's a special place in heaven for Carol, given all the help she's given to other women. I have um, benefited from that help and I truly believe this. So Carol, you are a <laughs> gift to everyone. Um, so I really believe that. So we'll see where the conversation takes us today, but I'd love to get your perspective today. Hopefully we're going to talk about the workplace. We're going to talk about navigating ambitions and hopefully we'll, we'll get to a lightning round where we'll talk about um, the holidays and the new year. So I'm excited about that. So to start, Carol, since we're friends who happen to meet at work, I wanted to get your perspective on community and relationships in the workplace. You know, I recently did an episode, it was episode 83, about the importance of relationships and community at work. And I was curious what you think about this and how you've kind of come at this perhaps over the years and what your frame is.
1: Yeah. Kathy, I can't believe we've been friends for 15 years. I know. It's amazing. To yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I had to re-listen to episode 83, so I was sharp with the answer. Um, I really wanted to hone in on your starting small. And I'll tell you, I think about 15 years ago and how it was so much easier at where we were in our lives to have a friendship. We were going to an office every day. It was really easy to walk down on Maiden Lane to grab a bite and catch up. It's harder now and that's what that episode talks about it's harder in a hybrid workplace or even a fully remote workplace so also from a life stage perspective time is starved right and for me at least with the three kids as you mentioned and some of my um volunteering that i do so i loved the notion of starting small <laughs> when you i think you quoted a um a 200 hours to build a close friendship and so it brought me to that metaphor of like, this is gross, but like, how do you eat an elephant, right? Like one bite at a time. So it's like, okay, put those two hours aside and like, let's just take small steps, starting small to build that close friendship, because I agree, it is so important. Um, two other thoughts that I'd love to just build on that starting small is starting vulnerably. So it's kind of like dating, right? Like put yourself out there, but do it in an empathetic way. So. And if you listen for these morsels in, say, work meetings, conference calls or or, or one on ones or what have you, they're like little Easter egg hunts that you can find about someone. Right. So listen for those morsels where someone's saying something that could be a trigger for you to follow up on in an empathetic way. So, um, and then react to it, highlight it. And if there's, for example, a book that you read that could help with, I don't know, a colleague mentions a challenge and that challenge is X, you could ping them after be a Teams chat, we are, we're a Microsoft Teams organization, or text to say, hey, I heard you say this and you didn't really dive in, but I'm going to take a leap and recommend this book. And then you're putting yourself out there, right? You're being vulnerable to take that first step. The other thing that I thought would be um, a great build was also doing it authentically. So, you you know me. We've I I love to um, leverage my eleven year old and eight year old teachers and their their mantras because they so very much apply to adults and the workplace. And so, one thing that you hear in the workplace, but you also hear in kindergarten, is whole body listening. And I think it's just a great reminder. We are often, especially in a remote hybrid workplace, we're so distracted and we we think we are getting away with multitasking. We are not getting away with it. It's so obvious when someone's not listening, right? So let's be grounded in that and do some whole body listening. And then, um, and be authentic about it, right? Look the camera in the eye. Tell them, hey, I'm typing notes. I'm not sending off an email, right? And so, I think that's also another um, another great way to just um, to start to nurture one bite at a time. These starting small friendships. Um, a few other thoughts that I had too was um, I also have uncovered that as um, as your experience grows, you're you're finding it harder and harder because your peer group is smaller, right? At a certain level within an organization, so it's harder to find. Who would be sort of that right qualified candidate, let's say, to become, a, to nurture a close friendship with? You know, I really do believe you can't really gripe to your boss. Maybe every once in a while they'll, they'll allow it, but it will reflect on you over time in not such a great light. And the same applies to your team, your leadership team or your direct reports. Um, you have to try to like stay positive and encourage them not to gripe, right? So griping to them is a bit hypocritical. So I try to focus on peers. And again, it's harder as you move up the ranks in an organization because there's just less volume of them, right? Um, And then the last piece with women, I feel like we are so socially invested, right? I see it with my 11 year old right now. She is in the throes of navigating friendships. And it is so important to her. And that's true, I think, at any stage in life for women. Friendships are really what helps sustain us. And I think because it's such a high value that we place, we sometimes try to fast-track friendships, um, which is great, but fast-tracking can also manifest in a not-so-great way through gossiping, right? It's It's been known, it's been said that people think that by talking about a third party, you can fast track a friendship with that one-on-one person that you're talking to. And this is where, this is just like my unsolicited advice, stay away from gossiping, right? Um, Especially as women, we have to do more to lift each other up. And, um, And so I know it can be tempting, but Avoid gossiping. That's those are kind of my initial thoughts on episode eighty three
0: No, those are great. Well, first, of course, you're prepared. So thank you for going and listening back to that episode. <laughs> yeah. But what I love about what you're saying, too, it's like emphasizing the starting small, the because it can take effort. It does take effort, right? And yeah. that's what you're calling out here is it takes intention and effort. And I love how you're emphasizing this idea of it's both about, stepping forward, putting yourself out there, but it's also about stepping back and listening and that whole body listening, which I love. I don't think I heard the whole body listening when I was in kindergarten. So I love how kindergarten has evolved, right? For sure. (laughs) Sure. And then, you know, thinking really wisely about who is that sounding board and then being thoughtful about like, what are you sharing and what's appropriate, right? Um, You know, there's been conversation about, and I may get this term wrong, but professional emotional maturity. I know I'm getting that wrong, but it's essentially, they've been starting to talk about how during the pandemic, we've started to cross boundaries around what's really important in terms of emotional sharing or burdening. Some people who are highly empathetic have started to get, you know, a little bit overburdened because they become mm. the one that people, you know, will go to. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this awareness that I feel like people have to have around how they're showing up in the workplace and connecting. So I appreciate all that you shared. And you started to tee up too, Women and this connection. And as I mentioned in the intro, you are a champion of women at work and really a role model in this way. I just want people to know like, when I stepped into a new role, Carol, well, first, when I first got to the agency, Carol was already there. She did not compete with me. She helped me. She made sure I was supported. She made sure I got grounded. Then, when I stepped into a new role, She didn't throw me under the bus. No, quite the contrary. I had a new boss that was based in Minneapolis with whom she had a relationship. She talked me up to him so that when I started to work with him, he already was like on board and was like, oh, I'm so excited to work with you. Carol said great things. Like, Carol, you did not have to do that, right? You went out of your way to make sure that I felt supported and that I was gonna be successful. And so I'm just curious, like you said it that, you know, We we do have Mm -hmm. to have each other's backs, or this is a way actually that women also do find sustainability is through this social support. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious why why is this so important to you to support women in this way?
1: Yeah, Um, I'm like warmed and tearing up, (laughs) hearkening back all those years. (laughs) It's so lovely that you remember that, Kathy. I so appreciate that. Um, I you know, so this one was a tough one for me to answer because. First of all, I am not walking on water. I have to admit I'm not perfect. There are moments where I find it creeping in that competitive thought, right? And um but but I work on it. I'm aware of it, right? And um and then I know how to deal with it and and acknowledge it and then move on and push it to the side. Um so before I get into that and sort of what I've learned along the way of just managing that you know, that competitive voice in your head. Um, I think it stems from, you and I've talked about this. Yeah, you've even met my dad, my late father. Uh, he was sexist. He was sexist except for me because I was his bloodline. <laughs> and I, that was a really interesting paradigm to be raised under, right? So like I would see how he treated my mom they had very traditional roles in the family and but for some reason I was given a longer leash or more my father didn't keep me on the leash (laughs) just (laughs) clarify that it's a metaphor (laughs) um but I was um I was encouraged to take on the world right and um so seeing that having his um support to really explore and believe in myself, but also seeing the traditional role, that dynamic of my family made me realize I have to take, I have to take this sort of harnessed power and help make sure that that's not my future. If I get married, right. Or that's not my, my best friend, Jennifer, who I grew up with down the block, that's not her future. Right. I think, um, I think there's so much that we, we, as women, we're still such a marginalized community, especially in the workforce. And um, we have to, we will never, this sounds so cliche, Kathy, but like, we're stronger together. I shouldn't say it with like laughter, but we are stronger together. Right. And like, we have to understand that. And it pains me when I see my 11 year old and my eight year old, she's almost there where this this like natural competitiveness starts to happen with with the young women and their peer set and it drives me bananas i'm like this is not learned behavior at least my girls it's not learned behavior and so how do we stop this from happening and passing on in each generation of this female competitiveness you know we have to support each other to make sure that we are we are truly um Uh, we're truly treated as peers and um, we're we're at par with our professional male counterparts.
0: Yeah. And I hear in that, that we pull each other up, you know, as you have done for Mm -hmm. so many other women. And just to, because I've been digging into ambition, one of the things I want to just normalize too, is that it actually is natural for we humans to be competitive. So you know, I, and I've also learned it's also natural for us to be collaborative, and some of us lean more mm-hmm. one way than the other, and so they are natural tendencies. So it's kind of like, and you're you're a competitor too. You played volleyball. You mm-hmm. do. You've done sports, and so it's like we do have these competitive instincts. But it's 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 kind of like what you said at the beginning, Carol, which is like you're aware of it. You're not perfect. We're human, but you catch yourself and you step into when you know it's better for us all to lift each other up as opposed to break each other down, right? So um, Absolutely. I yeah. think that and really makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's the acknowledging of it. And then um, what I try to do is get out of myself, which is such a healthy just thing to do, right? And practice grace and try to come at it from their angle and their viewpoint and understand what might be motivating them. It's never really about us right? They're not like, let me take Carol down. It's more of a place of insecurity on the other part, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we get to that place of empathy and practicing grace? Mm -hmm.
0: Love that. Love that. Well, one of the things you described was this idea that the world was your oyster, right? Like stretch and strive for what you were interested in and your ambitions. And You are ambitious. We've talked about this. And yet you've also had times in the recent past where you've navigated the tension between ambitions, between like work and life. I guess I wanted to start with the career transition because you navigated that a few years ago. You left a company that you were at for 15 years. That took a lot of courage and you found your way through consulting to your current role now. And I just wanted to hear a little bit about like, what was that like for you to go through that
1: transition? It was scary, Kathy. I mean, well, it was scary at first. And then it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Mm. And, I, and I can't emphasize that enough. And I have to say, I look back and I was like, gosh, Carol, why didn't you do that 14 years ago? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and, and that's not to say anything about kind of where I was and regret, but it's more, I can do it, right? It was more, without jumping in, I didn't know I could swim. And I, it wasn't until I took this chance that I realized my potential, right? And I don't know, said another way, I realized that perhaps my, air quotes, loyalty to my organization was actually loyalty, well, was actually fear or insecurity of my imposter syndrome disguised as loyalty, right? I, th- I was getting to a place of complacency and, um, and that's not good. Right. And um, so back to kind of the learnings and the silver lining was I have grown so much, learned so much from stretching my um my experience. And it has made me really believe in myself as being capable and competent, and also about the expectation of this growth mindset. I don't have to have all the answers. I can lean into not having a 15, 25 year history of a certain marketing component, right. And, or a certain vertical within marketing and, um, and that's okay. You know? Um, so it was, it's been freeing, it's been freeing and building my confidence and it's been freeing and realizing I don't have to have all the answers. You and I've talked about how you see these new CEOs that have no experience in that particular industry or with that particular business model, and they get the job. They've interviewed with the board, you know, and um, and so there is permission now for leaders to be put in a role that will stretch. And I think it's okay to lean into that and accept that, and and talk about it with your 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 leadership team or your directs or your peers. Um, and so it's really been freeing. It's really been freeing.
0: So I totally appreciate like what you stepped into as you made this transition. And as I started that last question, I was acknowledging how you also, I believe at that time when you were making that transition and before you start started to step into your current role, that it, there was this, you know, you had worked for a long time at that company and you had worked hard. And so- I know you were kind of wanting some space and yet you were also pulled towards something new. So it was like, this challenge to balance making a decision around being ambitious and wanting to take on more at your job, yet also needing and wanting time to focus on your family. And I'm curious, like, what do you know now on the other side of living through that tension? Because I think a lot of people stand in this tension and it's not like it doesn't go away, but like in making these choices, right? And I'm curious, like, what's it like now and what counsel might you have for others feeling that tug and pull of their ambitions across different aspects of
1: their life? Yeah, you know I. Um, you're such a good friend because I forgot about that whole other piece <laughs> when I when I decided to to quit. I um, I think the biggest piece that I learned, Kathy. Well, there's a few pieces, of course, but one of the biggest ones was um, it's not binary, and I felt like I was looking at it as black or white. I can either be ambitious in my career or be a present mom or wife or partner. And that's just wrong, right? It's not binary. Yes, it is a zero-sum game because there's only so many waking moments, hours in your day. But here are the few things that I learned along the way. One is, and and we can talk about this some more maybe, but um, one is writing a personal purpose. And I use that to leverage and um, I, I use it as leverage and as sort of my ethos to ground myself in the decisions I make. Um, I have realized it's fluid to your point, right? It's it's You're making choices daily, hourly on when to set limits with your career and when to set limits. And when I say career, not set limits with your career, like have ambition, but set limits with like what's expected of you for the day or week, right? Small steps. <laughs> And um, because it's fluid, to your point, it never goes away. So be comfortable with that fluidity. Be comfortable with having to make those small choices to have agency for how you want to show up for your family, right? And then the other piece is this, you know, because it creeps. It will creep. And all of a sudden, I find myself at the edge and I'm like, I've got to get help. So how can we start to be aware and acknowledge when we're maybe two or three steps before that edge and, and ask your partner. I sometimes ask my kids, I over communicate and I ask for help. I'll tell you, I came home from work early this week. I was in the office and my eight-year-old came up to me a few hours later and said, mommy, when you came home, I felt like we didn't connect. I wanted you to come and sit with me and you went upstairs and you changed out of your work clothes and and I, I paused and I said, Penny, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, you have to understand when I'm at work, I really try to be positive and empathetic and encouraging and optimistic with my team. And when I walk in through the doors, it's not right. But when I walk in through the doors at home, I'm exhausted. And I need that like five minutes to just re, re, recoup some energy for the kids, and so that's kind of a small way of like how I just over communicate what my headspace is at and ask for help. I ask for help with my husband. I asked for help with my boss. Right? Hey, here's what's going on, and and help me prioritize. But it's it's a constant, and you have to you have to be constantly thinking about balancing the two and being okay with making those small daily. It becomes like a practice, right, of making small daily steps to navigate that the the seesaw if you will. Yeah. I love
0: that. And I just so much of what you shared, I will come back to purpose, but this idea that it is a practice is something that I talk about. And I appreciate that you're saying that it's these everyday small choices and then how powerful to just both be aware of yourself, Carol. And then also, what you're saying is just to communicate and to step into asking for help, which so many of us don't do. And then I love that you're also like, not you're, that you're just being communicative and helping to explain what, where you are, why you're operating the way that you are and to be, that's even being vulnerable with your children. And so it's pretty amazing. How do they take that at this point? I mean, that's probably normalized at this point within your household, but you know, how did that go over with Penny or how do that, you know, like, how do they take that when you kind of share in that way?
1: She, you know, they get it. It's so interesting, right? She has no idea what the company, what a, a company situation is, you know, like, and um, she really understood it. She said, oh, okay. And I apologize, you know, I get it. She was needing me. I didn't know that. Um, but, in, and then, you know, but she got it way more than I would expect an eight-year-old to get.
0: Yeah. I love that. I know kids, kids are wise, right? Totally. <laughs> if we can go back there. Well, I know you mentioned your purpose and I did want to see if you could just share a little bit more about that. Cause I know you really invested time there. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share just what that is and, and how it continues to guide you. You said you kind of come back to it to kind of help you make choices. How else does, you know, having that purpose kind of defined for yourself, how has that really helped you?
1: Uh, yeah. So I think, again, if, if I I've encouraged to friends, to my team, to write a personal purpose, um, it can help in so many ways, not just within your career, but also outside of your career. Um, I was so fortunate to do an executive education program at Harvard Business School with my organization about purpose driven leadership. We. Read the book, Bill George's book, "Discover Your True North," and in it there are exercises to do. But the outcome of that of that book is to write a personal purpose through learning about your life's journey, your crucible moment in life, and what really motivates you. And um, so I'll read my purpose because Kathy, i have never share with you. I have it on a post-it note oh, yeah. mm-hmm. on my monitor. Oh yeah, you're so good. That's such a good friend. <laughs> um. And so, you know, the, I'll just read it through EQ and relationship building skills. I can leverage my platform to bring people together to create equity for women and other marginalized communities.
0: Wow. That's. So do do people understand now, like what I was saying at the beginning of the show? (laughs) So actually, Carol, I have heard your purpose before, but I think you've sharpened that even more since the last time I heard it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know, good point, because that is, you know, what they encourage you to do. Keep keep kind of wordsmithing it and, and fine tuning it. Yeah, And it could evolve over time too, right?
0: Yep, yeah. yep, for sure. Yeah, well, I love that. And I love that you championed this and that you did the work, right? To kind of dig down. And as you're saying, like you keep it front right there for you to kind of have as this mantra um, to kind of guide your behaviors. But I also wanted to call forward another one that you have shared with me in the past um, that mm-hmm. I remember. <laughs> um, and I'm curious if you could share it with others. Like that, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, the sign, one of your core values (laughs) that you and your family kind of leverage. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, we have a, like this old beaten up street sign that I don't know where Dan got, it was in his office. And when he was packing up his stuff that it says, be kind, work hard. And it just, embodied what he and I have always believed in. I mean, you always obviously share values with your life partner, right? The ones that work out. And so we always knew we had those shared values and it becomes sort of our foundation for how we parent and how we live. And so we decided to take it and put it in a high traffic area of our house. And so it's right next to our door that heads out to our garage where all the shoes are, listen, a house full of three girls you can't imagine the amount of shoes in our garage, right?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: totally. Mounds yes. oh my and my mounds gosh. of shoes. Oh my god! And so this is a high traffic zone. And so every day as we leave, we kind of harken that that moment in that movie, Rudy, right? Where they all punch. I think the Notre Dame football team still does it. Where they, as they were leaving the locker room, they all kind of punch that, hit that sign. And so we do that. And that's sort of the physical way to just remember. But- we also do it, we repeat it over and over in our in our parenting moments with our girls. And I have to say, I um I do it with my team as well. You know, going back to purpose, one way to to keep myself accountable is I told my team about my purpose, my personal purpose, to to make sure that they they know that it's there and that again, they they keep me accountable. Um and so when my daughters have Moments of friendship issues or challenges, um, we go back to those two, like, are we being kind, right? She, There was an incident last night, even, where um, about one girl in her class and some of the other kids were thinking, oh, let's write stories about this girl. And she said, I'm going to go in tomorrow and tell them we shouldn't do that. That's not kind. And I was like, a girl. And then even moments of sports with team commitments, like we don't, after the game, it's so easy to like celebrate a win or or be upset about a loss, but Dan and I really try to stay focused on like, how, do, how is their work ethic in, in the game? I don't care about how many baskets they scored or what have you. It's being committed to the team and making sure that they're, they're showing up and they're working hard.
0: I just love this. Cause it's, this seems it's beautiful for one. And then and it's something that Frankly, I should adopt. I probably live this. <laughs> I think I live it without adopting it. But I love the simplicity of it and the focus of it and how it kind of centers, you know, your family around the shared mm-hmm. know, core values. mantra, right? And core values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great. Um, and I love how you talk about like it's a similar thing that you can bring into work as well. I did want to say because you've called you you've talked about this, Carol, that you know, you are an upbeat, passionate, optimistic leader. You're that way as a friend, you know, as a coworker. (laughs) Uh, And I'm curious what you think about, you know, why it's important to bring that that kind of energy into the workplace. You mentioned it earlier, I bring that energy. And so it does take energy and it can be a bit exhausting, right? But, you know, I'm curious if there's a way that you also think about that in a way of bringing fun and cheer as we start to think about like the holidays this year and the time of year that we're we're Oh,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah, it's seasonal. I mean, I try to have fun and cheer year round, right? But I don't know, when I first, you know, graduated from undergrad and, and realized, oh my goodness, I only have the weekends for the rest of my life and I have to work and do this Monday through Friday, it dawned on me really quickly that, it's so important what you're doing, but it's also equally as important of who you're doing it with, right? And if you don't have that community, like you talked about in episode eighty-three, then um, then you don't you aren't engaged. You're not productive, right? And some of the business metrics that, as a leader, I have to think about as well, right? So I feel like, as part of a servant leadership ethos, if my team is anything like me. And I just admitted, it is hard to stay motivated, engaged day in and day out. When I get home, I'm beat for like five minutes and need to recover, right? So with that empathy in mind, like I asked myself, what can I do to help? And I think the least I can do for them is by staying optimistic and embodying that sort of positive mindset. So there's some comfort naturally in that. And then it also helps as like a small step, a small reminder that, okay, it's not so bad. And that those small steps can transform a culture, right? And I want to make sure that the culture I create in my team, we, we want to like each other, right? We want to enjoy the eight hours, 10 hours that we're doing day in and day out. So again, back to that, um, I mentioned before attitude is like the one thing we can control, right? Right. So let's start to control attitude. And by being op- upbeat and optimistic, that also then transforms into a growth mindset, right? So um, I I really have low tolerance for victim <laughs> mentality. <laughs> so this is my way of like, okay, no victims allowed. And so we embody that kind of growth mindset, I hope. That's kind of why I do it, mm. right?
0: Well, thanks for sharing all that, Carol. And I think, you know, people are lucky, your teams are lucky to have you be there to pull them up, right, to bring that optimism and, you know, to model this idea of, like, our attitude matters and, you know, also this idea of, like, really you can own your own engagement at work too, that Hmm. it's not just on the company that you can step into what attitude you want to bring, bring that optimism for yourself. But also I think you know, you've talked about purpose and I had done a recent episode on purpose as well, where I was saying, you know, sometimes your purpose now has gotten pretty big, even though, well, it can (laughs) feel good, but it doesn't have to. Like, cause I think you can live that literally daily in your actions. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I had shared a potential purpose. It could be that for leaders that their purpose could just be to make people around them that their day ends better than it started. So imagine someone interacting Um, with you, right? Where you're like, I'm just going to bring some optimism. So they started their day, comes back to you even saying, being, having some grace, stepping into other people's shoes, being empathetic. And then you bringing this optimism, like I can imagine somebody might start a day really bad, but they might, you know, get energized by your optimism and come out the day in a different space. So I just love that you're sharing that and your teams are lucky <laughs> that you model that and and bring that level of energy to, to the team and to the organization. So um, I think that's great. Well, I'm wondering from here if we can transition into a fun lightning round. I know I'm lightning doing a little, round. <laughs> lightning round. So just some quick questions to kind of close out the year, focused on kind of like the holiday and the new year. So the first question yeah. is like, This, we, uh, you know, we're at an interesting time this year coming out of the pandemic. I am just curious, how are you feeling about the holidays this year?
1: I'm feeling so behind as usual, Kathy. (laughs) Like I have spreadsheets of gifts and I'm just so behind, but Mm. excited to have like family together time. Mm, Nice.
0: Well, what is your idea of perfect happiness during the holidays?
1: You know, at family together time, like I am kind of a homebody. I think COVID has just doubled down on that for me. But um, so my mom's coming out. And I'm just so excited to all be sitting in our TV room with the Christmas tree and the decorations and just watching a Christmas movie or, I don't know, baking cookies, just that together time. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. your
0: greatest extravagance
1: during the holidays? Oh my goodness, you're going to laugh. But it's that slower pace because there's no school. And then there's no kids activities. Like I often joke, my weekends are busier than my work week. And so it's, so because there's, there's no shuffle from, from from here to there, we're at, we're able to actually just be more present with each mm-hmm. other, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, presents like P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, not Christmas presents like the bow and the wrapping paper. <laughs> <laughs> but like real Raw family time, you know, just like not having to be on an agenda. Mm, love that, and what, a little bit of spa visits.
0: Ooh, nice! <laughs> I know. Nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Totally. yeah, I'm all for spa visits for sure. Well, what is the biggest lesson you have taken away from this year?
1: Uh, and I feel like it's almost every year. You look back. I mean, this time of year is such a good excuse for us to reflect. Right. And look back and I'm always like, I can do it. I can do hard things, you know, mm-hmm. um, quoting Glennon Doyle. Um, but yeah, we can do hard things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's an ambition or hope you have for the coming year?
1: More balance. See, it's a, it's, see what we talked about. <laughs> <It's> fluid, right. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. But um, there's moments, right, where I think it's starting to the tipping point, mm, as you say. Mm. But um, so I'm I, I'm going to make that my intention for next year. Mm, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Carol, thank you so much for coming on, being in conversation with me, sharing your story, sharing your purpose, your mantras, a lot to inspire people to step into their own sustainable ambition practices. I. Love to just close with a final question. Like, would you have a final piece of advice or a main takeaway on how people can achieve sustainable ambition for themselves?
1: Absolutely. I think I said it earlier that um, life isn't binary, right? Ambition, sustainable ambition, is definitely not binary. So, within that, there's um, it's not either or. Just so allow yourself to flex and stay curious. There's no right or wrong answers. There's no playbook on life. There's no playbook on business, on marriage. Um, And so just trust yourself enough to make a decision and go and learn, test and learn with with it, right? Mm, Love that. And Mm -hmm. just
0: a final thing, actually, I wanted to throw in is, you know, is there a wish you might have for people as they close 2022 and start 2023?
1: Yes, I think We all need to practice grace. Mm. I talk about it all the time. My team now talks about it. It's this culture I've built. And I would love for it to um, be galvanized through your community, Kathy, and those that listen to this podcast, but just beyond. I think we all need to get out of ourselves and practice grace with others.
0: Mm, Love that. Such a beautiful note to end on, Carol. I love you. You're one of my besties. (laughs) Thank you for being on and being in conversation. I always love our conversations. So um, I appreciate this. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.